Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. This is Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering, and we start today with Christian nationalism. That's the idea that America should be a Christian nation first and foremost. No one will be touching the cross of Christ under the Trump administration. Former President Donald Trump there speaking at the National Religious Broadcasters International Christian Media Convention just last week. Christian nationalism has become a popular recruiting tool for conservative politicians and right-wing groups, and a new survey out is showing its growing prevalence. How does that message land here in Massachusetts? What does it mean for us? We have two guests, Evan Stewart. He's an assistant professor of sociology at University of Massachusetts, Boston, who studies the role of religion in public life, and Father Charles Gallagher, an associate professor of history at Boston College. Uh, Father Charles Gallagher wrote the book Nazis in Copley Square, The Forgotten Story of the Christian front, which we featured here on our show uh, a while back and is currently researching a book on Christian nationalism in the 20th century. Uh, Evan, welcome. Thank you. Father Charles, welcome to you as well. Thanks very much. All right. So listen, there is a lot here, and we want to be really thoughtful about how we pull the pieces apart. But I'm going to begin with this little bit of data from this national survey, which was done by the Public Religion Research Institute, saying that three out of 10 Americans now uh, either uh, are adherents to or sympathizers to this idea of Christian nationalism. There are five states where it's nearly 50 percent of people, and in red states, Four out of 10 do. Uh, And here's a a definition of Christian nationalism. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, it refers to a political ideology and identity. Uh, Nope, I'm going to, I'll hold off on that. Uh, The idea that Christianity should be at the forefront of our country. A fair definition, Evan Stewart? Yeah, I think that's a fair definition. The main focus of Christian nationalism is the idea that our shared collective identity as a people, our shared political identity as a people, should be grounded in Christianity. It's a normative view. It's based on identities and shared experiences. Um, and it's increasingly tied to conservative party politics in the United States. And that's what some of this uh, survey from the Public Research Religion Research Institute showed us. Uh, Father Charles Gallagher Somehow that feels new, but at the same time, based on the work you've done, not necessarily new. Yeah, that's correct. Um, The religious leadership in the USA is just kind of having their eyes opened about this term, Christian nationalism. It's actually been around uh, since the foundations. It got politically motivated in the 1950s, got politically attached in the 1950s. That's where I kind of end to look up. I've been searching for a definition of Christian nationalism for the past 10 years. Um, I can't, so our, our survey defines Christian nationalism through their questions. Uh, they don't give us a clear definition of Christian nationalism. I think that's fine. Um, my research, I've been trying for 10 years, and what I found that Christian nationalism has my definition as it has a peculiar nebulosity about it. In fact, I found a pamphlet written in the 50s by Gerald L.K. Smith, the founder of Electoral Christian Nationalism, and it was entitled, What is Christian Nationalism? I said, finally, I'm going to get the answer. So I went and I got the document, 
And it was all nebulous and about 10 different principles that composed Christian nationalism. But the first is the principle that you enunciated at the beginning of this section, to preserve America as a Christian nation. So this is the piece that I want to focus in on. And listen, over time, a couple of things. One, in this PRRI survey, um, Massachusetts actually ranks as one of the least Christian national states in the country. And I can hear listeners saying, okay, so why are we talking about it? But we will come back to that in a second because it actually still really matters. But the other thing is that there are a set then, uh, Evan Stewart, of of intersecting circles that we want to be aware of, right? Between Christian nationalists and Republicans, um, there's a racial correlation, but not direct identity. Uh, white Christian nationalism is different than black Christian nationalism. And that plays out, for example, white Christian nationalists more likely to associate with Republicanism, more likely to support candidate Donald Trump. Um, so there are a series of not every Christian is a Christian nationalist. We're dealing with a lot of intersecting stuff that where we want to be thoughtful, Evan, yes? Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, Father Gallagher makes a good point here about how our measures for Christian nationalism have changed over time, and they're actively changing in the research literature. So let's take one for example. Uh, one survey question that's often asked is, the U.S. government should declare America a Christian nation. Do you agree or do you disagree? Now, that can be interpreted in many different ways. That could be a formal statement of policy, that could be a statement about our shared identity as a people and what we all value. And so people respond to those survey questions in different ways. And what we find in the research literature is that respondents who tend to agree with tenets of Christian nationalism on surveys, there tends to be some variation across race. If you've heard the term white Christian nationalism, that white part is actually quite important. Because what we find is that white Americans who agree with Christian nationalist principles also tend to be more strongly Republican, also tend to agree with conservative political policy preferences. But when we take, for example, black survey respondents, we find people who agree with some of the tenets of white Christian nationalism, like God has a special plan for the United States, but that agreement is not as strongly associated with Republican Party politics, and that's really important. So when we're talking about the linkage between Christian nationalism and Republican politics, it's really a white phenomenon. Um, and, and again, for going to note, we're speaking with Evan Stewart, who's at UMass Boston, Father Charles Gallagher, who's at Boston College, looking at this question of Christian nationalism. What is it? How and where is it on the rise in the country? What does it mean for Massachusetts? And I'll just say again, that doesn't mean every Republican is a Christian nationalist. We are just looking at some growth here. Uh, white Christian nationalists are the most likely to be Republicans across Christian nationalism. White Christian nationalists are disproportionately compared to other groups likely to favor uh, uh, specific kinds of gun policy and be anti-immigration. Um, also, Christian nationalists are two times more likely to believe that political violence may be justified uh, to achieve ends than other kinds of groups. Um, we are here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, an area that has some of the lowest rates of Christian nationalism, Father Charles Gallagher. Um, and yet you studied a movement during World War II where there was an overlap. And again, not all Christian nationalists, right? But take us back to Copley Square in World War II and anchor us to a piece of history there. Yeah, there was a susceptibility in uh, Massachusetts and New England in general towards this style of thinking really from the beginning of the 20th century through the World War II era, which is what I study. It started in many ways with uh, a, 
a movement in France called the Ancien Francais that uh, moved from uh, uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, down into the New England states. They were a very right-wing nationalist French movement. So you had that set up in the north. And then by the 1930s, you had a kind of a fascist-inspired right-wing movement uh, known as the Christian Front, very popular in Boston. The headlines, uh, very uh, you know prominent in Boston during the 30s and 40s for this group and another group called the Christian Mobilizers were also active in New England. So there is a legacy of this in New England. It might not be prominent today, but there has been a legacy in New England and in Boston in particular of, of this style of political uh, involvement. So I do know Evan, uh, Evan Stewart of UMass Boston. I'm going to bring us to today and I'm going to play a little bit of sound for you. So here is Tommy Tuberville, who's a U.S. senator from Alabama, talking to voters at the Conservative Political Action Conference, which is called CPAC, last weekend about what he sees as a left-wing campaign against conservative values, including religion. we got to stand strong. This is going to be the toughest thing in the world that you're going to see. They are going to come after you. They're going to come after your churches, your anything to do with any kind of discipline, your law enforcement. It's going to be a tough time because they can't give up. And I want to note, Tuberville held up 11 military appointments for nine months last year in protest over the U.S. military's policy allowing people to travel across state lines for abortion care and reproductive health care. And that's the piece that I'm going to pull out here, right? Um, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to keep saying this. Listen, uh, you know, I'm Catholic. I'm Christian, right? We are not condemning an entire religion. But what we are talking about is a group that has demonstrated an interest in policies that are uh, very heavily pro-life, um, have associated heavily with uh, anti-LGBTQ plus uh, oriented policies, uh, gender affirming care, etc. That has already started to play out here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Maura Healy put up billboards <laughs> telling people how, you know, amenable Massachusetts was as a state after the Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court reversed the U.S. policy on abortion, for example. So it does come home. Oh, it absolutely does. And I think what you see in the senator's statement there is a sense of threat, right? A sense of competition, a sense that there's been extreme social changes that uh, threaten the shared sense of religion and religiosity among his constituents. And that's really important because the United States, the religious landscape of the United States is changing dramatically. We now are at about one third religiously unaffiliated, depending on how you ask the survey question. Um, and that's a dramatic growth since the 1990s. But one of the things, one of the things we see where there's a lot of consistency is that sense of cultural threat. This was prominent in mobilizations on the right and the religious right in the 1980s and the 1990s, and they persist today. But what's different today is that we have this changing sense of religious diversity in the United States, higher religious disaffiliation, and then that comes home because then suddenly we have these kind of policy debates. We have billboards being put up in other states saying you can come to Massachusetts for reproductive health care, for example, and suddenly you see the battle start to come home. It stops being on a national stage and starts being on a local stage. Father Charles Gallagher, let me play two more pieces of sound here. Okay, first we've got former President Trump, uh, now a Republican candidate for the presidency at the National Religious Broadcasters International Christian Media Convention last Thursday. Ultimately, the radical left is coming after all of us because they know that 
Our allegiance is not to them. Our allegiance is to our country, and our allegiance is to our Creator. They don't want to hear that. And I'm, I'm going to draw a dotted line to um, Jim Lyons, who is the former chair of the Massachusetts GOP, um, is no longer the chair of the GOP. There is a move um, in the primary next week to um, elect people to the state party that would be more consistent with Lyons' agenda when he was the chair of the GOP. And he is a, a very, very strong, staunch Trump supporter. Here he is in January 2023, and this video came from Grafton Republican Town Meeting. The only way we're going to make long-term change in Massachusetts is to stand for the things we believe in. Yeah, I am unabashedly pro-life, and I'm proud to say it. I stand for freedom, and I'm proud to say it. I'm against this woke agenda, and I'm proud to say it. Now, not necessarily a, a Christian-based viewpoint there, um, but what sits in the middle of that is a Republican candidate for president and a former president, uh, Father Charles Gallagher, who is explicitly and openly courting this marriage um, in a way that public policy-wise would very much affect us here. I mean, we had a conversation a few days ago here on Radio Boston about the move by the Alabama Supreme Court to uh, call uh, embryos used in IVF um, children. Uh, and that entire uh, court document was rooted in biblical arguments, Christian biblical arguments, not legal arguments. Um, do you see the past reemerging here, Father Charles Gallagher? Yeah, so uh, I really do. Um, I study a person called the Reverend Gerald L.K. Smith, who no one has ever heard of, but um, he created a political party called the Christian Nationalist Party that ran uh, on a national platform in 1950. L.K. Smith ran for president under that party name. So we're talking about electoral politics. The thing that L.K. Smith introduced into the equation in 1950 was he created a binary between atheistic politics and religiously based politics. He coins the term atheistic politics. That's what we're fighting against. Now, in his Cold War terms, it was communism. There was a large deal. So of politics that don't that don't respect and include religion versus religion based yeah. politics. Right. So so what what Professor Stewart was uh, alluding to was precisely we have a threat uh, early on. L.K. Smith says the threat is atheistic politics. It's politics, but he, he wants to get in the game. He wants to get in the game of the ballot box. He wants to move this electorally along. And that's what we see even today with the, with the Trump phenomenon. So um, there's, an, uh, there's this other dimension uh, that is race, which the, the Public uh, Religion Research Institute research, uh, Evan Stewart, is clear to say there's a correlation. There's not a causation, right? There's some relationship here, but one doesn't drive the other. Um, uh, I, I, that is on my mind because we are also seeing some changes in reporting of the presence of white supremacist groups. Massachusetts, according to the ADL in 2022, had the second highest rate of uh, white supremacists and hate literature distributed in the state anywhere in the country, second only to Texas. We've seen increases in anti-Semitic uh, activities, and this was 2022, uh, increases in hate uh, actions against the LGBTQ plus community. The, it is an actual, actual question. Is there a reason to draw a dotted line or is that specious and there's a, a, a big wall between those things? 
Yeah, I think there is reason to see these things as integrated. Rather than thinking about causal relationships, one attitude causing another, I tend to think in public opinion research about packages of attitudes. This is helpful. Keep going. What kinds of attitudes get bundled together for people through the actions of movement leaders, political leaders, and local leaders? So, for example, if you talk about local right-wing extremist groups, we could take an example like the Patriot Front. There are many others as well. When we talk about the rise of anti-Semitism, when we talk about the rise of Islamophobia, when we talk about sustained anti-atheist sentiment in the United States, those kinds of religious identity markers are also bound up in racialized identity markers. And I'm going to pause you there and say that the Patriot Front is explicitly named in this ADL report that I'm talking about and some of the things that we're seeing in Massachusetts. Go ahead. Exactly. And the Patriot Front last year in Boston took the time to protest a gathering called SatanCon, a gathering of Satanists. And you might think to yourself, that sounds a little silly. Why would a group so serious, a far-right extremist group, take the time to protest SatanCon? Right. But that speaks to the extent to which these religious identities are also packaged up with racialized identities, with gendered identities and with specific political views. So when we talk about Christian nationalism, when we talk about race, when we talk about white supremacist views or even just attitudes about racial inequality, we're talking about bundles of attitudes that travel together. The experience of religious identity in the United States is deeply racialized for people. And that sets up patterns and attitudes both on the right and on the left. So I think I'll come back to you sort of for last question, Father Charles Gallagher. I've taken in, I tried to study a lot before this, taken in a tremendous amount from the two of you that I'll continue to process. And it raises a new question. As we think about this and and we try to be thoughtful about it and learn more, I'm mindful that we also, in all cases with everyone, don't want to create hate or suspicion against another group. And so how do we, as we have this conversation, uh, just as we do when we're exploring any other religion, be mindful in this moment of that as well, Father Charles Gallagher? Yeah, as I mentioned before in my study, I find it to be a, a peculiar nebulosity about this Christian nationalist movement. One of the things I find most confusing is this, um, susceptibility to just kind of, um, kind of have a blind spot towards the law of love. Uh, you know, John 13, 34, love one, love one another as I have loved you, a command of Jesus Christ. Somehow the blind spot emerges when these uh, political binaries begin to show up in the electoral landscape. So I would just, you know, uh, I, I would just um, want to end on, a, on a, a hopeful note that perhaps somehow we can come uh, together in a divided country and, and speak about the law of love more often and how that relates to our activity and activism. Father Charles Gallagher is Associate Professor of History at Boston College. Evan Stewart is Assistant Professor of Sociology at UMass Boston, both uh, research in this area of Christian nationalism. And we'll have a link to our previous conversation with you about your book, uh, Nazis in Copley Square, Father Gallagher, on our website at radioboston.org. Thanks so much to both of you. Thank you. Thank you.